0: Can anybody guess what topic we're on? Salvation. John, you're a prophet of God. That's right, salvation. In fact, just in case you're not sure, I'm going to write it up there once again and put the nifty square around it. Now, as, we're, uh, as you're turning there, believe it or not, I think we actually are going to start on page 17. But as you turn there to page 17, Holly, I'm going to recap. That's right, recap as you turn to page 17. We're on salvation, of course. We've already dealt with the issue of the uniqueness of Jesus Christ, the uniqueness of what we're talking about, i.e. Salvation. And uh, to dispel this myth out there that all religions are basically the same, blah, 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 that's not true. Then we looked at the issue of the disagreement among world religions. Outside of Christianity, they don't even agree. So how in the world, both sides of the coin, could you ever say... That they're all basically the same thing then we saw the first thing the bible wants us to know and we know that because it's repeated three times is that god is not just god and god is not just real and that he really exists but he is holy he is holy he is holy why because if you don't understand the holiness of god you're not going to get the salvation aspect you're not going to get the fullness that we just prayed that god would give us you're not going to understand hell you're not going to understand why there needs to be a hell uh, or judgment or punishment for sin any of that stuff will not make sense okay unless you understand the holiness of god but again not only that i would dare say that you cannot fully appreciate salvation if you don't understand the holiness of god and then last time we saw well that's the, what the bible says okay that's the statement now we saw last time here is the problem okay praise god there's a god anybody glad that we're not just flying around the universe hopefully uh, randomly not going to fly into some other galaxy and Okay, that's, that's good news. Okay, praise God, there is a God. Okay, but what we saw there was the problem was God is holy, but we're what? Sinful. We're the exact opposite, uh, the polar opposite of who God is. And so that gave us the dilemma. How in the world is that which is holy, holy, holy going to have an intimate relationship with that which is unholy. Okay, that was the problem. We said all have sin, all have fallen short of the glory of God. There's that unbridgeable gap that we saw last time if you were here, okay? And even though John's a nifty sporty kind of a guy, he can run as fast as he can, he ain't going to make it across the Grand Canyon, okay? It's only the salvation through Jesus Christ that can bridge the gap as we saw, okay? Now, page 17, here's the next thing. We've already seen that God is real and that he is holy. Again, the emphasis is that uh, not he's just love and we're going to get to his justice, that he is righteous, but he is holy. But the problem is that we are unholy. Now we get to the, not just the problem, now we get to the penalty, okay? There's a price to pay, folks, for this, okay? And we need to understand that because people oftentimes will get to the point and we'll say, well, hey, God is holy and you're not, and, uh, uh, you know, that's just what the Bible teaches, and, and so, okay, well, okay, gee whiz, oh, wow. no, 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 no. You need to understand, because of that, it's not just explain the problem, okay? It is, uh, there's a penalty. That's what you need to pay attention to, a penalty. Top of page 17, the reason why there's a penalty is because now we see another characteristic of God, is he's not just holy, he is what? He is just, just as I switched that pen. Uh, he is just he or in other words righteous. Let's take a look at what's going on here The bible also tells us that god is righteous or he is just okay Now since god is just and this is why it's important to understand his holiness now his justice or righteousness Okay, since he is just it means that he here's your next two blanks. He demands punishment Okay of sin For those of you hooked on filling in the blanks now is your exciting time. He demands punishment Punishment of sin, okay, and again, this is the premise that people say, Well, my God is God of love. Remember that in the very first study, okay? He's a God of love, he wouldn't, excuse me, you, you just denied a major characteristic of God that he is just, okay? he's not just love. And then what we saw is when you explore that concept, when people say, My God's a God of love, he wouldn't punish people, he, he would never have a hell, he would never do really, okay, as we saw there with that issue, if you stop and think about it, even just logically. Okay, that's a horrible God. I personally wouldn't want to worship that God because the dilemma is this, that it's all the same gem. Remember we saw that? I'm not going to draw that again, even though I'm sure you guys are probably mentally scarred from looking at that. But anyway, so I won't do it again. Okay, but as we saw, it's all the same aspect of who God is. You can't separate one facet of God He's who he is, the same yesterday, today, forever. Okay, but you can't separate that. You can't just focus on the love aspect and then uh, ignore the justice aspect or the righteousness. Okay, you can't do that. Okay, it's, it's hypocrisy. But not only that, if you look at it logically, you cannot have true love without true justice. OK, and that's what we saw with the analogy there with the courtroom scene. And God's got his own heavenly courtroom scene going on every single day, folks. OK, he is the judge. He's the ruler of the universe, the king of kings, the lord of lords. He's the master of all. He's the creator of all. Psalm 24, verse one, the earth is the Lord and everything in it, include the people, the animals. It's all gods. OK, he's the one who sits on the throne. Okay, As we see there, that, God, that was the amazing thing of God's love is if we were to have, take a, another judge, just take an earthly judge. If somebody murdered your family, what's the first thing, because you love your family, what's the first thing you cry out for that judge to do? I want justice, right? And there, therefore, combine that with love, how loving would it be if that judge were to say, you know what, this guy is absolutely guilty, we caught him. I mean, there's no question. He even admits it. He did it. He, he's, this is the God that murdered your family. But you know what? I am a judge who is a loving judge, and I don't penalize anybody. Go free. Is that loving? You cannot have true love without true justice. It's the same thing with God, okay? And he is holy, and because he's holy, he demands punishment of sin. Just like it, you would expect an earthly judge, that person demand you. You better, I. I demand that you punish that person for murdering my family. That's logical. It's common sense. But somehow, when it comes to God, He's supposed to be this old grandfather in the sky who would never dare. I don't think so, folks. Uh, the righteousness or justice of God is the that aspect of God's holiness, which is seen in His treatment of the creature. Okay. But again, I wanted to dispel a couple things. People say, well, wait a second. God punishing somebody? for?" I could see somebody. Again, we saw before. We play that categorizations uh, uh, game, don't we? Lord willing, we'll talk a little bit about that on Sunday. Okay, well, you know, uh, Johnson's bigger than yours, sim. Hey, yours is even bigger than Orson. Hey, hey, that run, that was cool. I didn't, plan, that's not even my notes. This is awesome. Okay, uh, but you know, we, that's what we do. We say, well, I, I didn't, I've never robbed a bank. Really? Did you ever cheat on your taxes? See, we, 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 whoa, really? Well, I, I, I never would do something like that, really? Did you ever cheat on a test? Right? Well, I didn't murder anybody. You ever murder somebody with your mouth? Okay, praise God for honesty tonight. Let's close in prayer. No. Uh, uh, <laughs> today's lesson. Today's uh, lesson. No, okay, so that's the game, but God, that doesn't happen with God, okay? It's the same penalty. It's the same punishment, okay? He has to, but then people will say, well, I'm not that bad, or, you know, and you say, no, sin is sin. It carries the same punishment. That's what we saw last time. Now, here's what I want to dispel again, okay, officially. We've talked about this before it's in different uh, studies, uh, but people will say, well, if they, if they get by the categorization of sin game, okay, as if somehow it's being fair because I didn't rob a bank. Okay, I didn't murder somebody, even though somehow murdering somebody with your mouth is okay, and God overlooks that. He cannot overlook sin. We'll get to that hopefully in a bit. Okay, but then they'll throw out this classic scenario. How many guys ever heard this one? That somehow God's being unfair. Okay, because uh, what about the innocent native on the desert island, who never heard of the name Jesus, who never had a copy of the Bible? You mean to tell me that God's going to demand punishment for their sin? You might hear that one. Okay, yeah, great. And uh, actually, you should actually, as a Christian, uh, get excited when somebody uh, asks that question, okay? Because here's a little acronym, a little thing for you, a little memory uh, technique. It's the three C's that you need to understand is uh, what you can in share, okay? God, if, first of all, if you, the whole premise of that statement is that somehow God is doing something what? Unfair. Which would be wrong, which would be sin, because now, so that in itself is a sin, because you are a- accusing God of sin so that in itself actually just kind of disqualifies (laughs) because you just sin okay whatever now there's a misnomer in that statement and uh i like what rc sproul says and he says uh there there's a phrase that people all say what about the innocent native the innocent guy in the mountain top pick whatever locale you want okay is that what the bible says that there's one person on the planet that's innocent no there's not innocent so actually you could stop right there I don't care. Pick an island, pick a mountain, pick a desert, pick a what? I don't care. There's nobody innocent. Case closed, okay, Uh, is what the the Bible teaches. But we'll play the little game. So so you understand that God is not being, uh, he is just, okay? So when he rules, it's just, it's right. Every single time, he's righteous. Every single time okay and so the three c's is this is where you get romans chapter one romans chapter two paul gives us this information the first one is god is just and they're going to be judged and the first evidence that people are going to be judged by is the light of creation as paul says there that hey nobody's going to stand before god and say god i didn't have enough information that you existed and therefore i was accountable what he says no that god his invisible qualities his eternal character romans chapter one verse 18 through 25 i believe is the text and he clearly says that, listen, it's the light of creation. You should be able to look at the design of a flea to the, uh, to a, uh, what is it, a flea? A flea, if you were to take a horse, and if a horse had the ability to jump as high in proportionate to a flea, it, uh, that would be a horse in one leaf able to jump over the Andes Mountains. That's amazing, man. I mean, it's just the design, the guy, I mean, a you know, flea. Things that we say, get away from me. And it's like, man, this is evidence of God's existence, right? Because it implies a designer, a flea to a bee to a tree, certainly you and me. I don't know how anybody in the medical world can maintain an evolutionary mindset when you take a look at the machinery of the body. Man, that's incredibly complex, okay? But that's what God says. Nobody on the planet is gonna stand before me and accuse me of being unfair, unjust, because I didn't have sufficient knowledge that you existed. Excuse me? Paul says, you got the light of creation. The second one he goes into, because he talks about not just the Jewish people who have a, the law, right? Because they'll say, well, they never had a Bible. They never heard the name Jesus. Really? Well, God gave us another reason for his existence, and that's the light of conscience. Paul says the Gentiles, there in Romans chapter 2, he says the Gentiles are a law unto themselves. Why is it that they know inherently that it's wrong, if you will, to murder? Why is it any culture on the planet knows that it's wrong to lie? Where did that come from? Where did these universal moral laws come from? Unless, of course, logically, it must have come from a universal moral law giver. Okay? So if the first one didn't get you, okay, the second one's going to get you, okay? And then so God is not being unjust. Nobody's going to stand before him and say, I just didn't have sufficient knowledge. Okay? I don't care. Pick whatever scenario. But really, when somebody asks that question, it's called, what's a, it's called a straw man argument. Okay? It's a hypothetical thing. Excuse me. I mean, but I'll play the game with you all. I'll answer sufficiently, logically, and dare I say, uh, satisfying philosophically and emotionally with the first two Cs, biblically. Okay? But I'm also going to, you should get excited because then you say, well, you know what? Really, if you stop and think about it. I just sufficiently answered your question about whatever scenario it was. The guy on the desert island, the guy on the mountaintop, the guy stranded, whatever. Okay, and, uh, uh, but here's the real issue. I just told you about Jesus Christ at your third seat. You are accountable. What are you going to do? See what I'm saying? Because it isn't about the guy on the desert island anymore. It's about you. So when somebody asks you that question, you should be jumping up and down because it's the easiest way to flip it. And now, share the gospel, the good news of salvation uh, through Jesus Christ. Okay, so God is just. There's nothing, nobody's going to stand before him and accuse him of doing something unfair, okay, is the issue. He demands punishment of sin. I don't care what you are, I don't care what scenario. Again, the whole misnomer is there is nobody who is innocent. All have sinned. All have fallen short of the glory of God. That was our text last time. There is none righteous, not even one, none who understands, none who seeks God, etc., 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 etc. Their throats are open grave. The chicken juice is coming out. It's sick. Gross in comparison to the holiness of God. Okay, it ain't happening. Let's continue on. He says this and gives some examples scripturally of God's justice. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for thou wilt judge the peoples wrongly. Because you're mean, you're a big ogre, okay, because my God is a God of, no, with uprighteousness, and guide the nations on the earth, Silah. i got to stop and just share this. This was a wonderful life experience, okay, that I have to share. Somehow, maybe it might go with our study, but that's right. If I had some theme music, I'd play it now. It's that exciting word there, silah. Okay, let's say that, Silah. Okay? Silah is a neat thing. It's a Hebrew term, a musical term, and basically it means uh, it's a point to ponder. When you come across that, it's like, hmm, reflect, pause. We used to do that in Bible college. When a professor would say something, that was our little thing. We'd go, hmm, silah. We'd do that. And then if it was really profound, then us students would go, ooh, double silah, right? So if you guys would like to do that throughout our study and make me feel better, uh, yeah, whatever. Anyway, so uh, silah, that's what it means, okay? I kid you not, one time, this is, this is hilarious. We were, we were praying. Uh, these guys is uh, Bible study, this men's Bible study thing, and we're going through the scripture, uh, some psalm. I, I forget what it was, and we're going. You know, a person would take a section, then the next person, and we're like, it was a really great time with the Lord. I mean, it's just one of those moments where you just really kind of uh, are aware of God's presence with you, and it's just awesome, and you know, it's just really, and it just seems like the deeper you go in, so to speak, it's just you're just more calm and just oh like that. And so it was a really serious moment, and then it was this guy's turn to read over here, and. uh, and I won't share his name. And uh, he, he goes, he comes to his parties, right? And then the Lord's, uh, I forget what it was. And then he goes, and, he, and uh, I'll, re- like, I'll read this one. And guide the nations on the earth, Sheila. No, it didn't stop there. And we were like heavy in thought, right? And he goes, hmm, Sheila, Sheila, Sheila. <laughs> you ever like, it's a real serious moment, and you're trying the best not to laugh and your, your gut's going crazy, you're jiggling up and down, you know, <clears throat> you're starting to snort, whatever, but you're supposed to be serious. What? Oh, man, that was a great time. So remember that next time you see Selah. It's not Sheila. It's Selah, okay? And that's the point. Okay, what did you just say? The people with uprightness, God is righteous. Consider that. Hmm, point to ponder. That's serious, what you just read. Don't keep cruising. Stop and think about what you just read. Major characteristic of God. They shall abundantly utter the memory of thy great goodness and shall sing of thy righteousness. The Lord is righteous in how many of his ways? All his ways and holy in all his works. So the princes of Israel and the king humbled themselves and said, the Lord is righteous. 2 Chronicles 12, 6. Daniel nine fourteen says, therefore the Lord has kept the calamity in store and brought it on us for the Lord our God is righteous with respect to all his deeds which he has done. But we have not obeyed his voice. Ooh, that's not good, okay. In the future, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, he is not unfair, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but all who have loved his appearing. I think it's about five different crowns that are mentioned in the Bible, okay, that we as a Christian, obviously we're not saved by our works, but God could use us. To earn a crown, Revelation chapter 4, you're not going to get to heaven Go, my crown's bigger than your crown. Hey, my crown's bigger than yours. You know, It's not even going to be that game. We get to lay him at the feet of Jesus, Revelation chapter 4. Okay, what's going on there? But it's a privilege, right? And always, it's always neat. An instructor says, you know what? I mean, some of us, man, come on. All you got to do, okay, uh, 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 the, to, to just get a crown, just get one. I mean, you talk about simple, so to speak, is you just got to long for his appearance you get a crown for that surely we can get that one done right i mean surely all of us are going to at least get that crown and boy isn't that the problem you ever get that point i remember when i first got married that was probably the only time that i'd actually seriously honestly was like okay jesus if if you could just wait until after i get married i mean come on let's be honest right you've had those periods right Okay, and then how many guys? About uh, 18 nanoseconds after you got married, you say, "Oh, oh, Jesus, please come back now." <laughs> and you're still praying. No, <laughs> anyway. So, no, but come on, isn't that the issue? To long for His appearing, to long for His appearing. Do you look forward to Jesus coming back? He can come back right now. There's not one thing in the Scripture prophetically uh, that needs to take place for the rapture of the church. It could happen right now. Okay. Do you long for His appearing? Yeah, praise God. Preach it. Get a crown on your head. Let's get going. Okay, let's go. Uh, This is the reason that my best efforts fall pitifully short. Now, pitifully short. Now, remember, again, what's the standard? It's not finding somebody worse than you. We can all play that game. It's not categorizing your sin, right? It's not escaping the issue well, I'm innocent or that guy. No, 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 no. It doesn't matter. God is just in all his ways, holy in all his works. I don't care what you do. It is such a gap. Our unholiness is so egregious to God's holiness, there is nothing you could do. You can't make it across. I don't care what you try, what works, what methodology. I don't None of that stuff, not even Christian stuff. Nothing can get you there except the gracious act of God. And that's what we're going to get ready to get to. He says this, Now, since God is wholly just, he cannot overlook sin in the least. Why? perfect he's holy sin is sin think about it if god overlooks sin let's go back to that definition of my god is a god of love which basically says he overlooks sin what is he basically saying i want that god if you will to do what with sin approve it what kind of a god is that that's that's the antithesis to justice Okay? He cannot overlook sin. He can't. If he did, he would be approving it. But there's a loophole. How many guys know or guys know people who are looking for loopholes? Right? There is no loophole. The standard's perfection, 100%. You want to break it down to, to have a, a, a something to visualize? It's Jesus. Have you lived like Jesus every single, not one second, one thing you actually pulled something off? And if you did... According to Romans chapter 3, it was the Spirit of God doing it in you, okay? Because we'll mess it up with our motives every single time. That's why he says no one seeks God, no one is righteous, no, not one, okay? It's only him. Hey, it's not just that. It's not just a micromanage moment of time. It is every single day of your life have you lived like Jesus. Not just in righteousness, but in the way that you treat other people. Every single day. If you haven't done that, God's holiness demands that you and I be punished because he's just and praise god he is because that other version of a god who just overlooks sin what kind of a what kind of love is that Hmm. yeah i always say oftentimes i say well you know if, if you know if it's just a little partial deal then why didn't just jesus get beat up a couple times and just go back why do you have to die well That gets into the graciousness aspect here in just a little bit. And since I have fallen short of God's righteous standard, i.e., I have never and I can't and it's impossible, not myself but anybody on the planet, I don't care what country, what scenario, what time period of history, nobody cannot live up to God's standard to live like Jesus 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I am under his wrath. That's a good word. You don't hear that much. Wrath. You know another word you don't hear very often in the church today? Wretch. Turn to somebody and say, man, you're a wretch. Go ahead, it feels good. It's awesome, especially if you were a spouse and you were arguing on the way here. i just kidding, no, okay. A wretch. Hey, did you know, I think we talked about this before, possibly. Uh, did you know that there's a trend in the church today that uh, if they get around to singing Amazing Grace, that some churches are actually taking that word out? That they will not say Amazing Grace that saved, I'm not kidding you folks, Amazing Grace that uh, saved a wretch like me That might damage their self-esteem so they've actually rewrote that and said person Yet the bible says we need to acknowledge that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of god See that's that life enhancement jesus false gospel that people get nowadays There is no conviction of sin. There's no talking of sin. There is no pointing them to this dilemma God is holy you are not you're in a heap of trouble It's just come to Jesus. He'll improve your life. That is not the gospel, okay? And, and, you know, there's no conviction there, so that's what they're doing. We are under God's wrath. Let's take a look real quick at those passages mentioned there. Romans chapter 1, verse 18 is the first one. And that's that context there uh, that's dealing with the creation, okay, that nobody's going to stand before God. I love the J.B. Phillips translation there. He says, without a rag of excuse. You're not going to get before God. I don't think so, okay? Romans... (coughs) Chapter 1 there is the account there, verse 18, and uh, this is what Paul says. He says, the wrath of God, wrath of God. Okay, is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness, since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God made it to plain to them. Why? For since the creation of the world, his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what is made so that men are without excuse. You know there's a God. Look at the world. The very one who gave you your brain to utilize it. Has given you evidence after evidence after evidence that he is real. And yet, because you don't want there to be a God, isn't that really what it is? is? Second Peter tells us the reason why people continue to believe in an evolutionary mindset. It is not scientific. It's all about the flesh. He says the reason why they maintain that belief is because, he says there, they are willingly, okay, willingly ignorant. I like what one guy's translation, with all due respect, says. That means dumb on purpose. You present the scientific evidence that this is design, which logically implies a designer, and you say, Nope, I'm going to be dumb on purpose. I'm going to choose to believe in this thing. Even though it's completely illogical, not even scientific, I'm going to do. Why? These people are super intelligent, much more than you and I could ever shake a stick at. Their IQ's off the chart. Why? Because it says right there it has nothing to do with the mental or the, the math or the science. It says because they don't want there to be a God because they want to follow their ungodly desires. That's why. Why do they keep pushing that upon us? Why is there so much wickedness in our world today? Why are we under the wrath of God? Why are things continuing to get worse in our country? Because for 50 plus years now, we've had it drilled in our school system and the media that there is no God. It's a logical response. If there is no God, people will act ungodly. You teach kids from wee high, you came from an ape, why are we shocked when they act like one? It's a logical response, and and then it's, it's like and then we have the audacity? Well, if there is a God, I'm going to stand there and just I'm going to defend myself. That was not right. He's wrath of God. How dare you? The wrath of God. Great word that's going on there, man. Used uh, of course in, in, in Revelation, and it's actually the Greek word orge. Okay, uh, it's uh, uh, it's not philipsis, which means general tribulation or whatever. Uh, some people want to say. Uh, that's what is being referred to. No, this is orge, it's what wrath, and it's where we get actually the word orgasm from, and, and, and what it, it's, it's like, if you will, it's, it's like a violent shake. Oh. Now, we don't think about that when it comes to sin, do we? That apart from the graciousness of God and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, the wrath of God that in his holiness so impugned by our wickedness, Ah, as you can see, it's just like, oh, we're under it right now, apart from Jesus Christ, not us as Christians. But if you're not a Christian, you're under that, and it's just like God is just holding it back. Ah, how dare you? Ah, great word in the scripture, I think, uh, uh, propitiation, where Jesus, he absorbs the wrath of God. All of that that was just waiting to, blah, It's taken away. I had, had a actually intern who preached for me one time, and he gave a great analogy. And he says, if you could picture, let's use Hoover Dam, you're down there, okay? And because uh, Pastor Jim told you to go down there because there's some cool rocks, but he was setting you up, okay? But we're not bitter about it, okay? And so there's this, the, the dam, there's a big old crack, man. It's going to bust, okay, is what's going on there. And he's mad because I was making fun of his chicken stuff, okay? And so he set me up down there. We'll deal with that later, Pastor Jim. Okay, but anyway, so... <laughs> And so here comes the crack. The dam is literally, the whole dam, I'm at the bottom of that thing. Okay, the whole dam is about to go. I mean, not trickle, the whole thing's coming. Right at the moment it gets five feet away from me, God in his sovereignty opens up a huge, massive, mega cavern in front of me, and all that water just (laughs) absorbs every ounce of it, and I'm safe. That's the picture of what Jesus has done for us on the cross. He has taken all that wrath from God that we have impugned his holiness. Wow. Such a great salvation he's given us. Yeah, real quick, Mary. Yeah, yeah I mean, I'm taking God to court, and you're going to try to sue him because of the tornadoes and stuff like that. First of all, all those things became as a result of man's rebellion because of sin Okay, is what the issue is. So you can't cop that on God. Uh, number two, excuse me, that man even underdoing that, is, uh, which is another thing. Don't ever pray for justice from God because if we ever got what we justly deserve, what, where would we be? myself included, be burned in hell. Praise God for his mercy. So the very fact that God is withholding his wrath, that that man is still alive here on earth, is amazing. Now, the other amazing aspect is God knows everybody from all time and every, all history, and yet God, even knowing that man, would have the audacity to do that. Died on the cross. Died on the cross for that man. And if that man would truly repent, he could become a child of God. That's amazing. That is the love of God. Okay, let's go to the next text very quickly. Uh, uh, John chapter 3, uh, verse 36. We're dealing with the wrath of God. Okay. John chapter 3. And here's what John has to say. John chapter 3, verse 36. Let's look at the antithesis. Let's grab the context. 35, he says, The Father loves the Son and has placed everything in His hands. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Praise God. But whoever rejects the Son will not see life. Why? Because God's wrath is coming. No, it's already happened. It's already here. And it's that word. It's just like, if you could picture God every day. Oh. See, we don't get that because we don't understand the depths of his holiness. Yet it's the only characteristic that's repeated three times. And then we who know better, we play with sin. Oh, great analogy! I had a guy. I always look for the video. I can never remember where I found it, but just to, to explain it to you, he was uh, counseling a Christian couple who was sleeping together. Okay, he was counseling them and saying, "Listen, guys, this is a sin. This is egregious. That's fornication. That is sex outside of marriage. You cannot do that. That is a, that is a, a sin against God. You cannot do that." And it's just not, we're Christians, you know, the rationalizing sin. We're Christians, you know, that's okay. That's acceptable. You know, we're going to get married. God knows our heart. Excuse me? And nothing was getting through them. They just kept rationalizing. And he says, in one moment, he says, I thought, he said, I was thinking of this. He says, Jesus is God, right? Okay, and Jesus died on the cross for our sins. Okay? Now, Jesus, being God, characteristic of God, he knows the beginning from the end. He knows the past, he knows the present, he knows the future, right? So, Jesus, if you will, could have on the cross, as God, been completely cognizant of all past that present moment, and all future, right? Okay, now the scripture tells us when Jesus forgives us of all of our sins, he forgives us of how many? All, All, which means all past ones, before we got saved, when we got saved, and however many days left, which he knows, uh, until we get saved, right? And the thing is, the scripture says, he who knew no sin became sin. So if you could picture all the sins throughout all of time, okay, past, present, future, that Jesus absorbed, if you will, into his body on the cross, he who knew no sin became sin, okay, absorbed him on the cross. So so if you... If if you back it up to, if in his deity, he wanted to look at all of humanity, you wonder why it was a dark, horrible time. You wonder why he was crying, oh, Father, why have you forsaken me? All the sin of all the people of the past and the present and the future was being absorbed into Jesus, into his body. And if he could see it all, and he says, right now, couple, who's sleeping together, here's what I want you to visualize. The next time you're in bed and you're committing that sin, I want you to visualize Jesus on the cross having to absorb that. Because he is, from his perspective. I think they, they did respond to that analogy. <laughs> but hey, how about us? We play with sin. You ever think about that? I remember when I heard that analogy, and every once in a while, God would remind me of it. That's one of those good spanking ones. Do you realize? I mean, if you were to look at that analogy, every time we blow it, guys, as a Christian, myself included, Jesus, there goes another one on the cross. I don't want to put any more on the cross. You know what I'm saying? Is he gracious or what? Okay? But here's what he says, John chapter 3. He says, you are under God's wrath. Now, very quickly, flip on over there where he talks about uh, John 3.16. This is a passage that usually comes up because people would say, well, my God is a God of love. And then they'll want to try to quote John 3.16 a little bit further, but they don't keep reading Okay, so see, God came here to not uh, uh, punish people. That's not what's going... No, keep reading. John three sixteen says this. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Then they'll continue to read. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. What are you talking about this hell? What are you talking about this wrath? What are you talking... My God is a God of love. He didn't come here to condemn. He came... Would you please keep reading Why did he not come to, quote-unquote, if you will, condemn? (laughs) Because the world's already under God's wrath. It's already condemned. Of course not. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe in what? Stands condemned already. Why? Because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. Okay? What? You are under the wrath of God. And because he is just, because he is holy, he demands punishment for that. Nobody is going to escape this earth without being in a situation you're either going to stand before god and somehow try to justify your sin or you're going to take god upon his gracious offer and say, listen my son took your penalty in your place if you'd receive it i'll forgive you completely that's it okay but that happens here on earth if you leave this earth uh it's too late uh, let's uh, continue on real quick uh, le- But here's the good news okay? That's the bad news if you will If you will. But that's just who it is That's who God is you can, s- you can sit there Buck all you want You know about whatever That's the facts Okay People say I don't believe in hell Well you'll find out one day If you don't accept Jesus Christ Your savior And I don't say that With any element of meanness That's a horrid reality Wait till you see The exciting video clip I got on Sunday Okay You don't want to wish Your worst enemy there Okay Okay But it's there Okay, and you'll find out very quickly, but it'll be too late, is what's going on there. But here's the good news: God is now praise God. See, all this guys for the several weeks. I'm hopefully, hopefully this is why you, you would understand why the writer of Hebrews says, "Hey, don't neglect that salvation thing." He didn't say that. Such a great salvation as Paul. you can almost hear in his voice, "Oh, the manifold wisdom of God." Whoa, this is wild. We who it's, it's we're cut off. And it isn't just cut off that we can somehow earn our way there. It's so egregious to God that every day it's amazing that he doesn't nuke us on the spot because we're under his wrath and he's, ah. And the fact that we're even breathing air, the fact that we don't die at the first sin is amazing. And then now we come to this. Who? he's gracious. Ooh. Doesn't it make you appreciate it more? No, hope. it's toast. We're toast. We're in a heap of trouble. Nothing we can do to reverse it. You can buck at it all you want, but that's just the facts. Whew. Praise God there's another facet on that diamond called his graciousness. That's what he says. The Bible says God is gracious. Grace is uh, the f- blank there. Grace means unmerited favor. Okay? You can't earn it. It's a gift. It's unmerited favor. Thus, God dispenses unmerited favor to his creatures. Isn't that amazing? I mean, on the one hand, it's just like he's so offended by our unholiness. And yet in the midst of that, oh, son, go die for them so I can wrap my arms around them. That's wild. That's what the Bible teaches. And it shall come about that when he cries out to me, I will hear, for I am gracious. God says, for the Lord your God is gracious and compassionate and will not turn his face away from you if you return to him. But thou, O Lord, art a merciful and gracious, a slow to anger, and abundant in loving kindness and truth. He has made his wonders to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and compassionate. Gracious is the Lord and righteous. Yes, our God is compassionate. In the New Testament, the Greek word for grace is charis or cherish. Uh, For those of you in Southern Hebrew... Or Greek, whichever uh, locale you want, C H uh, A R I S, for those of you hooked on correct spelling, okay? Cherish, or carise, which means favor, it's your next blank there, gracious care, or help. Favor, gracious care, or help, okay? The word translated grace in Hebrew from the Old Testament, quote, denotes the stronger coming to the help of the weaker who stands in need of help by reason of their circumstances or natural weaknesses. It's this. I can't make it. I will never make it. I am under your wrath. It's impossible. I can't reverse it. I don't care what I try. I can't reverse it. Ah! Okay, so the stronger God comes to our aid. The action itself is what makes the weaker party acceptable. It's God's action. Okay? Two things as we close with the study tonight and Hopefully, finish it up next time. Uh, is uh, uh, the interesting that word that's used there? We say, For God so loved the world. Right? Love is a, has become such a, a generic term. Uh, it's actually the Greek word, agapao, okay, is, is what's going on there. Uh, and uh, omega on the Indian. It's a verb, it's not a feeling. Love is an action, okay? Uh, four different Greek words for love uh, there's eros, which is what the world says, which is where we get erotic from. Okay? There's stergo. Uh, uh, which is like, uh, hey, you know, just a, gener- you know, kind of a friendship, kind of a, not so much a friendship, though, kind of like, I love my car, or I love the Detroit Lions, right, John, Roy, Roy, okay, you know, something like that, and so like that, I love chocolate, yeah, that's a good one, so, so that's like stergo, okay, uh, then you got phileo, where we got philas, arafas, Philadelphia, brotherly love, so it's a little more family, brotherly love, a little bit more than stergo, but then you got agapao, okay, can you guess which one is used when it says, for God so loved the world, that he gave his son, right? Now, that word means a self-sacrificial action purely for the benefit of another person. Did you catch that? that that's what God's done for us, a self-sacrificial action. He didn't have to. You look at it from God's perspective, ah, oh, the wrath, oh, He could have just followed right through with that and been just. But in the midst of that, He did a self-sacrificial action purely for the benefit of another person. That's you and I. And he took the hit for us. I I shared, I'll just use this analogy. One of my favorite analogies is actually that video that I shared a while back. And uh, if you weren't here or if you just need to listen to it, let me give you the written version of it. It's the classic train story, okay, which is mind-blowing. There was a man who had the responsibility of operating a drawbridge that spanned a river. And so when a steamboat came by... He would put the bridge up and then lower it so the train could cross when it came by. Well, one day, the man brought his son to work, and together they watched the bridge go up uh, to let a steamer go through. But when it was time to lower the bridge, the son was nowhere to be found. Uh, But just then, the father heard the cries of his son, and he saw to his horror that the boy was caught in the massive gears that controlled the movement of the bridge. Okay. Then, to make matters worse, a train whistle blew, which meant only one thing. A trainload of people was on its way. And so in a split moment, the father realized he had a decision to make. To save his son, he would have to raise the bridge once more, but if he were to do that, the train would go into the river, killing many people. So with his heart wrenching, the father made his decision. He voluntarily chose to lower the bridge and crush his own son. And later, the train whizzed by, and the passengers waved at the guy, oblivious to what he just did to save their life. He sacrificed his own son. Two things I want to share in closing in our context of God's holiness and our unholiness. We're under his wrath, and yet he still made a way through the cross of Jesus Christ that we could be rescued and all that wrath absorbed away from us. And isn't just away from us, now we're sitting there. He gives us an intimate, beautiful, loving relationship with him. Calls us his child. The trainload of people, folks, wasn't your family. Let, let me clarify that for, because sometimes this unfortunately happens. The family, if there is family, that you absolutely really love, because unfortunately some people don't have the best of families. I'm not condoning bitterness or anything of that nature. It's your spouse. It's it's not a trainload of people that you just absolutely would take a bullet for. Your best friends, your buddies. The context from God's vantage point, folks, is it was a trained load of people who hated your guts, who had the audacity to take you to court and blame you for everything, who shook a fist at you and blamed you for all the sins that you are responsible for, who sinned so flippantly, wanted nothing to do with you, mocks you, mocks your wonderful message Of salvation through Jesus Christ. And God said. I'm still going to sacrifice my son. That's the context. Of such a great salvation. Jesus did not die for his buddies. He died for his enemies. The kicker is. He expects us to treat each other the same. To me the height of hypocrisy as a Christian is to refuse to forgive and love someone else when we have been forgiven of so much. We wonder why the world does not believe our message when we bite and kick and devour and gossip and slander each other. And and we have the audacity to withhold forgiveness from somebody when all that's been absorbed by the cross of Christ. God is gracious. Anybody glad? Anybody starting to understand a little bit why the writer of Hebrews didn't just say salvation, such a great salvation? Yeah. Works for me too. Lord, when we get to the next issue with the grace at work, how that works, how in the world that we can, and the very fact that it is an act that cannot be reversed. Praise God. Anybody excited about that one? Okay, it's not just logical. Praise God. It's true. That's the whole next uh, section. I don't know how deep I'll go on into that because the whole next section is all about assurance that you can know, not doubt, you can know that when God has saved you from your punishment that he demands for your sin, okay, nobody escapes sin, folks. Somebody has to pay the price. Praise God, God's gracious, and he paid it for us. okay. It nobody goes, if you will, scot-free. Somebody has to pay for that, okay? And, uh, but it's by faith. It has to be by faith, guys, because what can we do? There's nothing. I always like to bring this point up, too. It has to be by faith, because how many guys were there when Jesus died on the cross? Please don't raise your hand. Are you serious? Praise God. We'll lay hands on you. Sure. Okay. Hey. Okay. And uh, I wasn't there, but I take it by faith. It's by faith because it can't work for it, but by faith, I wasn't there. It has to be by faith. And because it's by faith, it's a gift. And because it's a gift, it cannot be taken away. Isn't that wild? I mean, God, if you think about it, if you think about it, God, he could have. You think of the oh, okay, and now my son's going to forgive you. And then he could have put a stipulation on it. Now, from this point forward, you knock off the sin. Or I'm going to take it away. Because that's another sin, and now you're being ungrateful, what I've just did for you, for done for you, right? Anybody glad that that's not the case? <laughs> Praise God. And the thing is, it has to be because we need to understand. And so singing goofball, dare I say blasphemous songs for God saved. So, yeah, uh, Amazing grace. We're talking about grace tonight. Graciousness. It's amazing because God saved a sinner. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm, I, didn't, I didn't mean to damage your self-esteem. He saved a person like you. No, he saved a wretch like me and us here under his wrath. Oh, isn't it amazing? Isn't it such a great salvation? I'm going to just keep on going, but we got to keep, We got to close. So uh, next time we will get on to the issue of faith and then assurance of salvation. Praise God. Let's go ahead and pray. Well, hi. This is Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church, and I hope you enjoyed today's study. But before you go, let me ask you one final question. Are you sure that if you were to die today, that you go to heaven and not hell? Before you answer that, let me share a couple things with you. Did you know that the Bible says that God is holy and that we are not? And the Bible also says that the wages of our sin or our unholiness is death. In other words, when we die, and it's coming for each one of us, we're all marching towards the grave at different speeds, but it's going to happen. The Bible says, therefore, since the wages of our sin is death, we deserve to die and go straight to hell and not to heaven. And that's bad enough, but to make matters worse, we don't want to admit this. God already knows. He knows uh, all of our behavior, everything, our thoughts, what we've done, what even we're going to do. He knows it all. He's gone. Even though He already knows this, we don't want to admit this. And so, out of love and mercy, God gave us something called His law, or the Ten Commandments it's kind of like his x-ray into our heart to show us what he already knows that he is holy and that we are not and it's this unholiness or sin that separates us from him let's take a look at god's x-ray if you will his divine law to show us what he already knows the ten commandments uh the ninth one says this you shall not bear false witness okay that's called lying okay and if you've ever told a lie once, which we all have, myself included, the Bible says that makes you a liar, okay? The, the, another commandment says, you shall not steal, okay? Uh, and you might think, well, that's something that everybody does. Well, it doesn't make it right, and it demonstrates what God is trying to show us, that uh, we all have sin, and it's separating us from him. Even if you took a pencil in the third grade from somebody, if you did it without permission... That's stealing. And so now you've become a thief. The Bible says that you shall not use the Lord's name in vain. And how interesting it is and unfortunate that the only name under heaven by which men might be saved, the name Jesus Christ, has now become a common cuss word. The Bible says that God is so holy that even his name is holy. If you've taken the Lord's name in vain and used it as a cuss word or even flippantly, the Bible calls that the sin of blasphemy. And so now you become a blasphemer. The Bible says you shall not commit adultery. And Jesus says if you even look at another person with lust in your eye, you've committed adultery in your heart. And finally, the Bible says uh, you shall not murder. And you might think, well, hey, I haven't done that one. Really? Well, again, the Bible says that the sin of hatred is the same as the sin of murder. The only difference is you pulled the trigger, if you will, In your heart, you wish they were dead. And in God's eyes, it's the same thing in principle. Folks, that's only just a couple of the Ten Commandments. We didn't even go through all of them. But I think you're starting to get the picture. The Bible is correct. We have all fallen short of the glory of God, myself included. And that we are separated from God as a result. And so when our time comes, we're not automatically going to heaven. We are headed for judgment. We are headed for hell. Now let me tell you the good news. The good news is that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to save us. Jesus Christ died on the cross. It was the death penalty of its day. He paid in full uh, the price for our sins to be forgiven. Let me give you an analogy. For instance, even today, we could see that a person could commit a crime Uh, they they cannot reverse it. The the sentence has been passed. The judge has uh, slammed his gavel and they are ushered off into their jail cell. And in this particular crime, they are going to receive the death penalty. And so they're behind bars just waiting for the time, waiting for the call for them to go and uh, receive the death penalty. But believe it or not, as we know, there is a way that a person can get off a death row. And that is if the one in authority, the governor,